Alright, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to our second episode in the same week. So, if you didn't know and you're listening from the future, uh, we have an episode where we did an interview with Duncan Rhodes of Games Workshop fame, talking all about painting, uh, a little bit of his history, and the hobby aspect of uh, not only Marvel Crisis Protocol, but pretty much all miniature war games in general. So, if you didn't get to listen to that, I highly recommend doing such because there's a lot of really good information there for uh, painters of all ages, skills, backgrounds. Uh, if you're just started, if you're coming back, if you're coming from Warhammer, War Machine, literally any game, Flames of War, uh, it's just a really great interview to get to talk to Duncan and uh, get some really valuable information. But this episode, we're going to be talking about strategy or strategy, depending on how you say it. So we're going to be talking a little bit about throws, terrain, line of sight, cover, stuff like that. But before we get into that, how is everyone doing here? Still bad. <laughs> Still upset about Mike rolling me off the table twice. <laughs> it's never going to go away. The hurt will never stop. I'm doing great. Venom's phenomenal. Jesus Christ, you have to lead every time with that? I told you I would. You started this. How on else the week will I people know here. that Venom is phenomenal then? <laughs> uh, it's not like they would know by people playing know him. It's Mike. I mean, uh -oh. I actually, uh -oh. that's not true. Okay, he did. Okay, my Venom rolled twelve dice and got no hits, but then he did turn around and pick up two hammers and just decimate somebody. So I can't. So get hammers upset. is good, is what you're saying. Hammers are good. Yeah, I just, I just think Chris is not in a position to talk. Oh boy! No, you're well, absolutely right. I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. Well, I, I will say, um, after our last uh, podcast, I went and researched my badger farm. I was planning, <laughs> and un unfortunately, um, there will be no Netflix show featuring me with badgers because badgers are illegal in Virginia. Highly, what? highly illegal. Yeah, this never stopped you it, before. It, well, that's true. <laughs> There won't just legally be a badger. It. Yeah, there won't <laughs> legally be a badger farm. Okay, we just won't talk about it. Total um, access badgers in the back of Total Access Games. Oh, <laughs> don't give away the secrets yet. The tab team. I feel. I feel like this is a perfect place for our first ad. Are you guys ready? Tab um, team, go. Yeah. Anybody want a pizza slice? Anybody want a pizza bowl? Anybody want a pizza slice? Oh boy! <laughs> Can't get it off. Thanks, it Will. Going. Thanks, Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. We you upset know, another group of uh, fellow gamers in town with that earlier this week. You yes. know, I'm probably going to have to when we have Nova. I'll probably be talking to wearing that outfit. You very well, maybe. Which the outfit is a pizza thong banana, banana hammock. I mean, hey, at least you wouldn't be be sweating. Like he stole something at Nova, because man, <laughs> that's true. Might actually be real comfortable in a pizza. That's hammock. true. I mean, and my opponent will not be very comfortable playing against me. It's just <laughs> mind games. It's just mind games. It's hard to do. I'm leaning more and more towards wearing it. That support that's support. Uh, so, anyways. <laughs> All right, so other than Mike trying to use mind games to hide where he keeps his venom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeez. Let's let's talk about something that's actually useful, like strategy. There's plenty of room down there, just so you know. <laughs> plenty of room in that pizza hammock. Is it is it a thin slice pizza hammock? <laughs> which, which is even more messed up when you would see how big his Venom model is with all the stuff he's added to it. 
has to carry it separately outside of the case because it won't fit. I literally have have nothing to say. Like, (laughs) holy crap. Is that that a venom in your pocket? No, I'm just happy to see you. Okay, well, put that away. Anyways. Gosh. I mean, y'all three just turned on me like... I'm sorry. Whatever I did to you all, I apologize. Chris, Chris, I'm sorry, man. You had some bad dice rolls. You had some bad rolls. Todd, I don't know what to do, man. I, we'll hug it out. We'll hug it out. Man, Sookie, it's please, man. Oh, no, no, no. You you talk smack on stream that I couldn't beat you. I could whoop you and your mama, too. Like, oh, so that's going what? down. I mean, I, it's, I my mama. You know, my mom's immune to poison. You know that, right? That's okay, I'm Asian. We don't care about that stuff. <laughs> we come at you hard. Uh, so I can't wait to play you, man. So, so what are we doing this week? We're doing uh, Badger Farms and pizza ads? And pizza ads, yeah. And then we're, we're going to talk about some throws, man. Oh, boy. So, hey, language. All right. Oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Try to cut down on the old boys here. Um, no, nah, man. So I guess I what, it was j- jump right into it with throws. Yeah. So you, you had an article you did about them, right? I did have an article. Sugi helped me up with a little bit on it. Um, added a little bit to it because when I was writing it, it was kind of, um, late at night and when, you know, when it gets late at night to the, you the know, rum's flowing, the rum's flowing, the, the banana hammocks are flying. It's, oh, no. It's, so, I mean, so Sugi oh, helped no. me out with a little bit. So, I can't take 100% credit for it. Um, but, you know, Sugi saw what I was trying to write and just added on to it. So, um, but throws. Uh, if you ever played a game where the dice rolls just aren't in your favor? Yes. <laughs> 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 I can I can not only hear but I can feel I, the disappointment. You feel the pain in Chris's voice. <laughs> yes, tell me more, please. I'm listening. Well, wait, there's this where you pitch me the pyramid scheme because I'm in. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, like, like there. I'm I know this is not a new mechanic to war ta- the war table gaming, um, but this is um, one of the first games I've played where throws is a thing that really drew, drew me into the games. Like, oh, I can pick up this building and throw it at somebody? That seems pretty cool. Um, Warma hordes, cough, cough. I mean, like, I never played that. Like, I bought it, and then it's sitting over on my game shelf, still in the plastic wrap. So it's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, uh, Privateer Press, that was their big mechanic, is throwing. Right. So, games Workshop games don't really have. Right, right, right. So, you know, game GW and um, uh, Legion didn't have it, so I never did experience it. But... Um, it is one of those things that is a part of the game. It's a huge part of the game. Um, and if you're not building your list around it, either to be prepared for playing against it or to do it, um, you might want to look at the ways that you're doing your list. Because with throws, you're doing several different things. Basic, obvious part, if you're throwing terrain, you're changing the way the battlefield is. You're changing the line of sights. You're changing cover. You're changing... Um, uh, different aspects of the game in that way, but you're doing guaranteed damage to your opponent. So in case you don't know what throws do, um, if it's a size two piece of terrain and you're throwing it at a character, then it does an automatic the size plus one hits to the character that you're throwing it at without having to roll any dice. So if you hate rolling dice, you can't roll good, 
Chris, throw something at somebody. <laughs> not in real life. Not in real not life. In real Clarification. Life. Not in real life. No, he just cuts people in real life. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does do that. He did put a knife on the table at the end of the game. But no. Um, <laughs> wow, what is wrong? With allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. No, but so like, you, is there something I need to know when I come for Nova? Um, oh, be prepared. Be prepared. No, be better. Do you need to get a knife? anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, like with with throws, you're able to take a size two car, throw it at a character, and guarantee that you're getting three hits on them. Now, if you break down the math aspect, a basic character's attack, their base zero cost attack is what? Five dice, guys? Is, is that right, right? On average, On average. Give or take. You know, you got some characters with four, you got some characters with six, but. Not everybody's a Thor. Yeah, not everyone's a Thor, not everyone's a Winter Soldier. You know, sometimes, but so average is about five dice. If you roll five dice, how many hits do you expect to get? Well, it's a 50% chance because you have. So you could. Two hit. Two and a half. Two hits. Two and a half, right? So well, you have the you have the crit, the wild, and two hits. Yeah, so and then the crit, two and a half. And then crit adds a chance of getting another, you know, another die into the pool. Um, you got your rerolls, so on and so forth. But for a few power, the average throw costs three to two. Um, and then if you have running Avengers, the average throw can cost two to one. Um, you can you can guarantee three hits, not three dice rolls, but three hits on an opposing character. Um, incoming, incoming, yeah. So they, not not damage. There's a difference between right hits, right, right, in route to a character and damage being dealt. Right. So now your opponent has to roll their physical defense against a throw, against against the amount of hits that you got against them, um, and. Lots of times they don't get rerolls on that because when you're looking at rerolls, you're looking at stuff like that. It says on an attack you can reroll a dice. The only character that really gets a reroll when when something is being thrown at him is Spider Man because of his spider senses. It says specifically for uh, defense and dodge. So and Wakanda, and Wakanda does it too. Wakanda oh, rerolls. Wakanda says- rerolls. Yeah, Wakanda rerolls. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, it's it's one of those things that you can work into your list to get a basically a third attack out of one of your characters. Um, you can do two basic attacks and then do a throw, and there's your third attack. And that third attack can cause just as much damage because it's guaranteed hits on your opponent that they have to roll their defense against, and you don't have to roll any dice. It's just guaranteed. Um, Didn't Todd have a game last week where he attacked someone, but he dazed MODOK, but he never attacked the MODOK? Was, he just threw was, stuff it at was, him? He was running BDT. Versus um, no, it Modoc. wasn't. It wasn't BDT. Was it yeah, BDT? It was. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. That was in Modoc. You smoked too much. That was in Modoc. Uh, <laughs> Modoc rocket boots. Yeah, it was. It was Modoc with the Hulk and rocket boots. Um, and he attacked Thor, and only nope. did it with no. He no, attacked, attacked Hulk. Hulk. He attacked Hulk with his Thor, and only did a total of two damage to my Hulk, but ended up dazing Modoc through throws. Which was because he threw Hulk into him twice, and then threw a piece of train into him, and then oh, there goes there goes Modok. He took ten damage from two Hulks being thrown into him, and then a, a size four truck. That's fifteen automatic hits going into Modok. Modok rolling two dice for defense. It's you know that that's devastating. It didn't even attack Modok, and he was the one that got dazed. So um, that's 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 the aggressive uh, uh, part of throws that, that you get out of your being able to throw characters and throw into rain um, is the automatic damage that you do to a character and they have, and you don't have to roll any dice. They just have to roll their defense and hope to hope to beat it. The other part about throws is 
you're moving your opponent's characters potentially. A, a lot of throws. Um, you got certain characters like Ultron and Modok that can only that can only throw terrain. But then a lot of characters, Vision, Captain Marvel, Valkyrie, even Captain America on his attack, Thor, um, that can throw characters. Um, some of them can throw terrain and characters. But when you start throwing opponents' characters, that's where you start really changing the board state and, and, and controlling the tabletop. Throwing an opponent's character is you're now moving, the characters you're throwing is being moved into a less optimal position. They might be being moved off an objective. They might be being moved out into a hazardous area. If you're playing on gamma shelters, and you move them out of the range too, so now they're taking damage. On top of that, the character being thrown takes collision damage if they hit something. It could be they could hit another another character. They could hit a piece of terrain. They could hit a lamp post, and they take an automatic point of damage, just straight up. I took a you threw me. I hit this lamp post. I take a piece of I take I take damage. Nothing I can do about it. I don't roll it. I don't get the defense against it. I just take the damage. If you hit an opponent's character, now that opponent's character takes the the incoming like it was a piece of terrain. So if you throw a size two character into Red Skull, he's taking three incoming hits that he's got to roll his defense against. Um, if, you, if, if Thor throws a size four Hulk into somebody they're taking five automatic hits hulk takes the damage for the collision and then the the character he hits takes five hits and has to roll their defense against it um now you're changing the board state you're changing the placement of the opponent's characters and getting free damage through it's it's an aspect of the game that if your list is built around it it gives you a, a drastic edge you don't have to Roll dice, you could roll poorly and still be able to push through on damage and get damage to your opponents. Yeah, I mean I think I think I think throws are very instrumental in the game at the level it is right now. Like considering the releases that we have now, like now going forward, this could change quite significantly. Uh, but as it stands right now, um, throws are a huge portion of the game and they're a huge portion of my game. Um, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Um, free damage, it, it, like automatic hits are amazing. Uh, if I don't have to roll dice to see if I hit you, like that's, that's a win for me. Um, and now, now you have to roll with a lesser chance to hit your defense than I got for these automatic hits. Like that's a hundred percent hit rate. This is size two, you take three. This is size three, you take four. Now roll your defense and get around it. Um, the other trick with throws, as far as throwing goes, there's very few abilities or superpowers that are triggered by throws. Uh, so you take Cap on his flip side. Uh, his ability to use blanks doesn't work against throws. Black Panther on his front side doesn't get to count blanks against throws. Um, counterattacks. You don't get to counterattack a throw. Um, so all of these using throws can cut off a lot of powers that are available in certain characters. Uh, and they're just so much more effective. You don't get martial prowess against a throw. Um, so like that, those are, are huge benefits in your game uh, and, and they can lead to huge momentum swings in a turn. Um, as far as like just the positioning alone can lead to big swings and victory points. Um, if someone has already activated and then you throw that character off the point and your guy standing there, that's effectively... If it's a one-point objective, that's effectively a two-point swing. You took the point from them, and you're gaining it. Um, and, and that's a big deal. 
Um, so that's definitely an aspect of that to consider. It's not just about throwing for damage. It's throwing for board state and it's throwing for positioning and it's throwing for victory points. Um, and, and it's just a very effective strategy. It is, however, kind of power intensive. Um, most throws are going to cost two to three. There's only, only Asgard, as it stands right now, has the ability to generate power to make throws on a consistent basis just based off power generation. And even Asgard, Thor in particular, can't throw turn one in Asgard. He's got to generate the power from somewhere else. So that that's something to keep in mind as well, is, is your power generation. That's why I tend to lean more towards the Avengers affiliation where those throws are online early, particularly with Vision and Thor. Um, from turn one, they can throw. I think the other thing is a lot of people look at throws in a offensive capacity because, yes, when you throw someone, you are creating automatic damage that they have to roll defense dice against. So you're kind of stipping a, skipping a step where if you attack, you roll your dice and then you determine how much damage is actually available. And then your opponent rolls their defense dice to see how much they block. When you throw something, you have a fixed number and you automatically know, okay, if I throw this character, it's their size plus one. If I throw this terrain, it's their size plus one. So you mathematically know exactly what's happening. Um, but the, the defensive and control side of throws, which some people are starting to tap into, is the, the ability to disrupt your opponent's game plan. Everything in the game right now requires you to be within a specific range to score objective victory points at the end of a round. So some people like to use throws, Todd especially, like to use throws in an offensive capacity, but I like to use throws and pushes to rearrange where your characters are on the table so that I'm scoring points, you're not, and generally I want to push you or throw you far away from my characters so that on your next activation, you have to spend one of your actions to move. So that means if if we're playing a normal game and I maneuver my model, whatever model, say we'll say we'll put Modok next to Thor. If I don't do anything and we go into the next round and Todd activates, Thor can just attack me two times in a row. But if I move my Modok up and position myself properly, and then I use Bow to the Will of Modok and force Thor to go away, he's going to be out of range to attack me twice. And so he has to do something else like spend power to charge, or he has to spend a move action and then attack me. So you could look at movements if you do them right, be it a push or a throw, uh, similar to a stagger because stagger forces your opponent as their first action to shake the stagger, and then they can do something. So if you keep pushing your opponents off of objectives, or you keep pushing them away and they're out of range for attacks, uh, throws also do that too, you're turning off the efficiency of their turn, you're making them have to spend what little resources they have, because you only get two, um, to move, or now they have to spend power to charge well, they might not have enough power to charge and throw now because they needed to be within range two to attack you and then throw something at you. So throws are really, really flexible in how they can be utilized depending on the player, the play style, the play skill, the board position. You can use it to get free damage 
or you can use it to kind of slow down your opponent's tempo and force them to do different things, keep them off of points. Like it's it's such a neat mechanic that is both very very potent on offense and defense. Yeah, I I, I can't get away from throws personally right now. Um, I, I just feel like they are too flexible in too many scenarios to not consider bringing at least a couple of them because of how high impact they are on the game, um, whether it be offensive or control. Um, yeah, I think like like me and Todd have lists. Like, I think Todd, our 17-point list is, a, is, is identical except for one character. Our 18-point list is identical, and they're both all based around throws. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as the current format and the current lineups that we have, throws are arguably probably one of the best superpowers um, just because of their ability to get around other superpowers. And it's effectively a third action um, that impacts placement and can cause damage. Yeah. Uh, you're getting a free attack. You're moving an opponent's character. Uh, it, it's, it's in my opinion, a, ph- a phenomenal action if 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 one of your characters say hey take an action and do this you would do that all day long hey move a character and get free damage uh, free hits on them yeah i'll do that for two power three power yeah i'll do that as as an action and it's not even an action it's just it's just a superpower so you can do that you know you can do your two plus that it's so it's so good so this is something we brought up in the article and i think it's worth having a discussion about and um whenever you're playing a a war game or miniatures game especially, you're looking for maximum efficiency because when you're playing a game that utilizes dice, there is a random element that you cannot control. So you could roll really hot, you could roll really cold, you could roll the average, and the same statement applies to your opponent. They can roll really hot, really cold, really average. And having this mechanic in the game is fun, but if you're a competitive player, you're looking for something more reliable, more consistent, and you're looking to the game system and the game options on ways to find consistent forms of damage. So being able to trade power, a resource you gain at the start of the round, resource you gain sometimes by dealing damage depending on your attack, and you gain by taking damage, and being able to translate that into guaranteed hits and avoiding rolling dice is a fantastic resource exchange because power is a commodity you will gain throughout the course of the game, but guaranteed damage is not something you can gain throughout the course of the game, especially if the terrain gets thrown and gets you know taken off the table because the more dice you roll, you're just kind of at the mercy of um, you know probability or odds, whatever you want to call it, luck. But if you have a piece of terrain, you go, sure, I'll trade three power for three incoming damage. Why wouldn't I? Uh, it changes the efficiency of the game because now your attacks are almost arguably kind of like the topping on the cake. You know, it's icing on the, on the cake. You're just adding more opportunity to deal damage. Whereas with your throws, it's a guaranteed, you know, number. They they, they have, I mean, I've already said it, like they, they're just such an, a massive part of my game plan because of the lack of variance. Um, there, there's no risk for me uh, in, in completing a throw. If I have the power to take it, it's guaranteed damage or guaranteed movement of my opponent's character. Uh, and, like, there, there's literally no drawback. 
So I, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to find another ability that I think stacks up as well as that. Um, I mean, do you guys have any idea of anything that you would think would is on level with it right now? No, absolutely not. Not in terms of efficiency. And the other thing I was going to bring up is um, AMG has worded the game where a giant majority of attacks and abilities, especially like offensive and defensive, trigger off of um, not damage being dealt, but an attack. So a lot of abilities are like, hey, you know, you can reroll dice from an attack or a defense roll. Well, when you throw an item, it's a dodge roll. So those don't trigger, kind of like you were saying with martial prowess. Um, you got things like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Counter-Strike from Widow or Zemo triggers because you have to attack. Yeah, I, was men- I mentioned that earlier. Um, it, it shuts off most yeah. of those defensive abilities. It shuts off. Like, yeah, Widow, so- you can't target her. She's past outside of range um, three, and this, this shuts that off too. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really interesting mechanic because not only is it efficient in terms of damage being dealt but it completely circumnavigates all a majority of these abilities that revolve around uh, attacks and i don't know you know in the long run if that matters but i know now it's very frustrating for newer players when they go oh i can use this counter ability well throwing is not an attack and they're like but i'm taking damage well it's not an attack and it's like i don't understand that that concept because I'm still taking damage as if I were being attacked. It's like, yes, that is correct. You are taking damage, but it's not an attack. So yeah, the fact that you can throw, you can get damage, you can get uh, defensive rolls online, but defensive abilities offline. Like it's just such a versatile ability. And that's just on the offensive end. Like now we're not even talking about defense where you're just like, Oh, you're on this point. No, you're not. Oh, you want to capture this victory point? No, you can't. Oh, you want to attack me twice? Ha no. Yeah. I, I mean, I think widow is a perfect example of how good throws are. Um, you, you get within two of, of widow to complete the throw, right? Um, she has an ability at within two that she gets to count blanks to her defense rolls, not her dodge rolls. So if you throw something at her, you cut off her ability to add blanks and you cut off her counter strike ability. Like you're cutting off two superpowers with a throw. That's a, that's a huge deal because that's the spot where she's supposed to be able to use those abilities and they're not available to her because it's a throw. The other issue with that is you're actually paying points or threat level, whatever you want to call it, but you're paying points for that character for those abilities. So being able to essentially deny the efficiency of a character is gross. It's just, it's it's super disgusting. Another thing that you think about his vision, if he's phasing, like in his energy, in his energy form, he doesn't take physical damage. But if he's in his physical form, his high density form. What? You mean collision damage? Yeah, collision damage. Yeah, sorry. If he's in his energy form, he doesn't take collision damage. But if he's in his high density form, if you throw something at him or you throw him, he first off he says you can't be pushed in high density. It doesn't say you can't be thrown. So you still throw him. But if you throw something at him or you throw him, he takes collision damage. It's not an attack, so he can't rapid phase. Rapid phase says if he is attacked, he can rapid phase into his other form. It's not an attack. So he can't rapid phase. So if you throw something at him, guess what? He only has two base physical defense. So he's getting hit hard. And, yeah, that's, and, and that's a character that you're – by throwing something at him, you're shutting down his abilities if he's, if he's stuck in high-density form. Yeah, and, and to clarify that, Vision would have three additional defense dice against the physical attack. 
The problem is that a throw is also not a physical attack. It does, however, roll their physical defense dice. So because of that, he only gets the two, not the additional three. Yeah, it causes that weird situation where if you know a throw is coming, you have to choose, like, this is at the start of the, during the power phase, you can choose which phase shift uh, vision is in. So you're, you're stuck with a really bad situation where you, say you're, say you're staring at a Thor, you could have him be phased to the point where he doesn't take collision damage, but that bolsters his um, energy defense. Well, Thor can just run up and punch him in the face with a physical attack, and he's only rolling two dice on a physical attack. Um, if you're smart, you know you'll you'll try and force him to phase, and then you'll throw him. But it just makes it really interesting because a throw is not considered an attack, and these abilities don't trigger based off damage; they trigger based off specifically attacks. So we we could see that change in the future where some of these trigger off of when damage is dealt because that'll make them a lot better, a lot more versatile. Um, and it makes throws not nearly as oppressive because they can just throw, 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 throw. And it's like, well, I don't get my defensive ability. I don't get my counter ability. I don't get rerolls. I don't get anything. I'm just sitting here getting punched in the face by a throw. Like, it's it's unclear what the future of the game is, but I think there is potential for some adjustments to the throw mechanic, potentially, just so it's a little bit more even, I think. Yeah, throws? Here's, here's the other part. Here's the other part about that vision. Even if vision is in um, the energy form where he takes no collision damage, you can still throw him and he deals collision damage to the other character. Right. It, Which makes no sense. His his text only states that he takes no collision damage. Doesn't say anything about the other target. Yeah, thematically, if he's like a ghost, how on earth is he dealing damage? He's literally phasing through them. It's It's one of those weird inconsistencies where it's like, this is great. This is thematic. He can become a ghost, and he, you know, doesn't take damage. Wait, the other person does take. Wait, how does that person take damage if he's a ghost? Does he choose to become solid at the point of impact and be like, "Hey, buddy, I'm gonna punch you in the face." Whack! Like that. That makes no sense. I think, to it's, me. More, I think it's more just an invasion of personal space. <laughs> he's out of being a six. What? What? Do, when you when you throw him, he just lands inside of you, yeah. and he's like, "Hey, guy." Yeah, like What's going on over here? It's it's the social distancing rule. Yeah, like like honestly, I, I think throws are above the curve. I really do. For any superpower that you pay two or three for to get this type of benefit, feels great. Like I, I, if a character has a throw, they're gonna they, they have a high chance of me using them. You know, to, to fix a lot of the curve and make it so it's not so overpowering. You know, after talking about this, simply make the throw. Claim it as a as a as an attack. If you turn it into an uh, as an attack, then all of a sudden it, it limits its you know destructiveness. It's just, people's superpowers start getting turned back on. Um, in my personal opinion, you know, because I, I feel like throws is are is is taking over you know some aspects of play. You play a Wakanda based list, and you have. All four Wakanda characters, the only throw you have is on Black Panther's attack, right? You know, you, you have no superpowers. You have no base throws. Um, you can't throw terrain and stuff like that. But you turn throws into now it's a throw is justified or is is, is, is based as an, as an attack. Then now all of a sudden it's not so devastating. That's just some, some, some thought 
food for thought there about how powerful throws are, about if we do need to tone it down some. Uh, I, I was going to say, like, if, if you're looking for a way to tone them down, um, like, the one thing you could do with throws that would definitely tone them down is make them cost an action. Yeah, that too. Oh, if it costs, oh yeah. It's, you're getting the equivalent of an action out of, out of doing a throw. So yeah. make it cost an action or make it count as an attack. Maybe it's not an action. Maybe it's still a superpower, but it counts as an attack. One of the two. Well, I mean, either way, either way, that's costing you an action. Um, so, like, if you just say um, uh, superpower throw for two, uh, action, throw a character or terrain, like, all of a sudden that that limits its effectiveness and its ability to be abused because you're generally using that as a third action where you're going to go attack, maybe move, attack, and then I get this extra free attack that costs me a couple power. Right, um, if, I- you make, if you make that cost an action, um, now now you have a hard choice. Now you have to decide to move, and do you throw to get the point that you're trying to score, or do you attack to try and go after the character? Right, um, so so here's the here's the problem mechanically with that, or maybe thematically. It depends on your perspective. I, I believe that the superpower within the game structure is intended to be this extra thing you can do that impacts the game. So it's fun. It's thematic. It's, it's supposed to be outside of the action structure. Right. I dis- so I disagree. Like what I was, well, what I was saying is like, I mean, if, if you look at it, some of them have action, some yeah. of them don't, but if everything had an action, then it's just an action economy what? game. Like the superpowers make the game more interesting because you can mix and match actions with superpowers. Right. I, I would say keep it as a superpower, so it's it's it, you could do it. And, okay, yeah, it counts as an attack. Now, Ty was saying yeah, you only can attack twice, so that's one of your actions. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for the, the character that is being affected by it, it counts as an attack, so they can use their superpowers. Does that make sense? I, I like, still... I still so think they, they still get their, you still get your two actions, and then you can do this. But the defending character against it can get counts it as an attack for their superpower ability. I, I don't. I, so like that leads to all kinds of inconsistencies when you look at when the targeting range happens of certain abilities. If a character's within two, you can counter strike. Well, now if I've thrown you out of two and you take collision damage, it still doesn't matter. Yeah, like, I, mean, I guess. I mean, so so that leads to, to all kinds of inconsistencies there. Um, I think if you make it take an action, and there's precedent for that already. Other things do take an action to do, like um, Red Skull's ability to gain three power. That requires an action. Uh, Vision's ability to gain his power that takes an action. Um, so there's precedent there for superpowers to take an action spot. Um, and, and a throw, if you think about it, the the required exertion to complete a throw means that a character would have to reach over, grab somebody, swing them over their head, and then launch them somewhere else. Um, that would be, I, I would say, as time-consuming as an attack. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to that being the case. I just don't think that's how the game was structured initially. Now, like you said, there are superpowers that take actions, and there's superpowers that don't. I wouldn't hate it if they said, okay, throws now take actions. Um, I think there's other things they can do. Maybe increase the cost of the power, maybe make it an attack, maybe do... There's a lot of, well, now you're, you know, maybe. Yeah, but now you're changing fundamentals of the game. Like, this is this is a simple correction, right? Like, if you're looking for an easy answer, I feel like that would be the easiest answer. I personally disagree. If you're going to turn throws into actions, then you're going to set a precedent where you could just turn all superpowers into actions, and then basically it's an attack, and now it's not really special. It's just not labeled as an attack. Well, so it's a... 
it's an attack with no specific defense. Well, no, that's not true because it's a, essentially it's a physical attack now. Well, and, and no, the, the other part of that is it's not an attack because it doesn't. It still wouldn't trigger the abilities like the super the superpowers that trigger off of attacks, right? So you still retain that ability to have them get around um, the blocks counting or get around counter strikes and stuff like that. It just requires no, 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 no. I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is if you turn into an action, it's essentially a attack that is physical that just says pay power, deal X damage and roll and your opponent just rolls on that physical defense track. Um, okay. I mean, I, would, uh, I, I still say about like if, you, if, you, if you simplify it to like the most fundamental mechanic, it's just like pay power, throw this item, your opponent rolls their physical defense, you deal X damage plus one. Well, see, that's, that's the thing. I say... I I can try to punch you in the face, and I got to roll dice to hit you, or I can throw this car at you, and I automatically hit you. Maybe take away the automatic hits and tone it down a little bit. Why, why is it plus one? You know, why do we add one to it? If it's size two, take two. Maybe maybe we keep the automatic hits, and we just take the plus one away. That's where, because like I look at it that way. It's like I'm going to shoot you with my gun that I'm been trained with, because I'm Winter Soldier and I'm trained with this rifle, and I'm going to shoot you with it. And I got a roll to hit, even though I got a scope and I'm trained to use it. But I could, you know, so other person can take this car and throw it at you, and it's an automatic. Yep, you're getting hit by it. Roll your defense. So <laughs> or a trash can or, or a trash something. can. Yeah, yeah. And it's plus one. So I'm, I'm gonna throw this trash can at you. That's a size one piece of terrain. Which me as a human being, like in real life, if someone threw a trash can at me, I'd be like, what? the? Get, get, get the, what, what, what are you doing? I'm not going to take two hits and be like, oh, there's half my life just got sucked away because I got hit by this trash can, you know? Uh, and that's just me. But you can miss with that, a rifle. That's just me in real life, you know? So if we're talking about in game standards, you know, maybe take away the, the plus one, you know? Okay. I, you, I feel like you took three damage from the truck, though, Mike. That was a, that was a truck. <laughs> that was a truck. And that was real life. And, and, I still, oh, and I'm still fine from it. You said a trash can. In real life, so I'm, I was just—I'm just, I'm just saying—and I'm not a superhero, Todd. Now, if I was—if I was Spider-Man and I got hit by that truck, I would've been like, "What?" You know, I would've jumped over it and been like, "That—that that never happened." So, I think the other thing we have to also consider is whatever suggestion we present, it also does have an effect on the game as a whole. Absolutely, like throws are absolutely throws are intricate. Throws are a very integral part of the game. And so that's kind of the other problem is like as much as we might postulate and be like, oh, well, this might work, that might work. Any kind of adjustment to throws just changes such a established portion of the game that people are starting to experiment with and figure out. So it's like it's hard for AMG to, you know, for us to ask them to do anything because it's like, you know, you're, you're just changing a court. It'd be like changing movement. It's like, well, OK, movement's different. Change it. Oh, boy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, don't change it. Just I mean, what the listeners, what they really need to take away from this is be prepared for it. Yeah. And maybe you might want to add it to your list because throws are powerful. It's a part of the game. And if you're not using it, then you're going to be like, man, I'm, I'm you're going to feel at a drastic disadvantage. If you run a list of Wakandan characters and you add. No one that can throw to it because Wakandans are what all four of them are what was set four, eight, nine, ten, 13 points. So you you play a list of 17 and you're, the four pair, the four point character you add doesn't throw at all, and you have no way of throwing terrain. You're yeah, gonna but you got a, pushes like, I, yeah, I don't but think you're gonna, I'm, I'm talking about, the, but I'm, I, yeah, pushes are great, but we're talking about throws because that's the automatic damage part of the game. 
Okay, like, so like, here's a here's a hypothetical. Yeah. So like, does that mean Wakandans are worse than other factions because they don't have this super strong mechanic baked into them? Like, no, is that like, totally fair? No, no, no. TTS league, they're definitely not bad. I just feel like you got, but I bet but, you, but if, with if throws that, are that powerful, does it mean factions that don't have throws are less powerful? I'm going to say that the Wakandan player has prepared for throws. I guarantee you, or he didn't he, see him. Well, he, I guarantee you, he ran brace for impact in his original cards. He did. He probably ran it every game. He also and, ran by premium shielding. And, and and just because he ran Wakandans, I bet you his 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 extra character that he always added into his list had the ability to throw. Um, his extra character in the game, the final game, was Vision. Which could like throw. Be, I feel like it should one be one of the best throws in the game. Instead of something you feel like you got to put in your list because it's oh, so Oh, boy. Strong. I'm not saying you have to put it in your list, but you got to be prepared for it. I mean, it. if you don't, though, it's it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It is. So be, you got to be prepared for it. You got to be prepared for it. Like, like you said, Chris, you got to look at it. I'm in this quadrant of the battlefield. How much damage can this quadrant of the battlefield cause me that I'm in? Because of the type of terrain in it. You know, you got to be prepared for it. I know you guys talked about this a bit already, too. My big thing was that I didn't feel like they should be throws should be baked into attacks. Yeah, that, I mean, I think they should be their own thing. Like they're designed to be a superpower you get to use once a turn, yeah, right? But I can also understand super, certain attacks having the ability to throw. Um, now, that, that, Thor, that Thor base attack is pretty gross. I, I'll give you that one for sure. Um, but I like see you use a hammer throw in a game, but you will never do it because the the throw wild on that base attack is so. Oh boy! Good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. And like, and I don't want Thor at range five. I want Thor in your face. Um, like that's that's just where I think he should be. Um, and now, I mean, and maybe that's a detriment a detriment in my play style with Thor because I, I pigeonhole him into that that like front running tank that I'm going to put out in front of everybody. Um, and, and he has other play and I've seen him used and I've had him used against me in other ways. Um, but, but that throw technique is just, it's such a massive part of the game for him, in my opinion. All right. So the next thing I want to discuss and bring up to the team for the listeners is, uh, the concept of terrain and the concept of cover. So some of the more interesting things about the game are, um, personally not my favorite is how cover works and how line of sight works because it's not true line of sight it's this weird kind of rule where you draw a line from the center of your uh model to the center of their model and if you go over a terrain piece that's you know bigger something happens if it's the same size something happens and then there's cover and it's it's a little trickier than i think it should be but um, i want to bring up this discussion so we can talk about uh, how cover works and how line of sight and terrain interaction works, because I know there's a lot of questions about it. I, I think to clarify, Suggy, um, the the rule with cover, the way that works, is a character within one of a terrain feature, and if any line, not a line, um, if any line can be drawn through that terrain feature to the opposing model, that's considered cover, unless they're within range two. Um, so, so cover is one of those weird things that's not really been utilized as much as it could be in this game. Um, and my 17 point list, I was taking note of that. And in some of the bad situations and some of the bad plays that I'd played into, especially in the, the TTS league, my one loss in particular, um, 
cover would have helped me quite quite a bit. Just one damage, getting one damage back in some spots can be game changing. It can definitely at least change a turn um, against some some crazy dice rolls. Um, so it's something in my seventeen list that I've been looking more into. Uh, my seventeen list, I have no characters oversized two, um, and and it's trying to work within the lines to limit um, line of sight and allowing for cover. Um, and, and if you saw the stream that I did with Nate from the Gamers Guild on Friday, uh, you, you'd see an example of that um, where I used the uh, Avengers Assemble to actually move all of my characters past a vehicle that was in the middle of the field um, to gain um, cover and line of sight. Uh, and, and it was that was pretty pretty big play in the game because it what it did is it is it made him have to change his plan for the turn because it took one character from his lineup out of that turn entirely and they had to double move. Uh, and, and that was, that's pretty big. Um, so there's definitely plays for it. Um, and I definitely think you can build it into your roster to try and benefit from it. I don't think it's the best mechanic, but at the same time, anything you do that can net you a gain or a limit on damage taken is beneficial. I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things that you take advantage of if it's there, but I'm never going to look for it or look for opportunities to really exploit it. It just feels a little awkward. Like I've definitely survived some stuff. I probably shouldn't have survived because of it, but I, I don't think the positioning tools are good enough in this game because of how limited movement is to like actually make a list that would benefit a lot from it. Yeah, yeah, Chris, I'm gonna agree with you hardcore on that one. Like, I play Legion, and if you're in Legion and you're in light cover, you just take away one of the hits from a from a character's dice roll. If you're in heavy cover, you take away two hits from an. You don't have to roll nothing. They just whatever they roll, they take away two hits. Period, and then you roll your defenses, kind of thing. So it's it's like cover in this game is not quite as good as it is in other games. I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm glad it exists. Um, like, it, it feels more like a, a cool thing for small characters like Rocket. But, like, I, I can't even count on my one hand the number of times I've, like, actually sought out cover. What I have done is use, like, oh boy, trucks and buildings to hide behind because I'm scared. <laughs> but not for the, for the cover mechanic. You know what I mean? Right. But sometimes terrain, just placement of terrain on a field whether you realize it or not causes huge implications for your opponent. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if it, if the situation presents itself, take it, but I wouldn't like count on it being there or build a roster around cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's something that I'm just trying to toy with. Cause I, I feel like at this point in the game, um, I'm, I'm trying to max and min, uh, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find those little edges that I can gain in every game. So I'm, right. I'm looking were all the little nuances and all the little things that I could do to up my game to the next level. So for me, the next the next phase of that is going to be covering line of sight issues, um, especially in that lineup that I'm working on, because it's it's one of those again. It's just max and min. If I can if I can get a way to negate one more damage, or if I can get a way to make you have to waste a movement, that's almost as good as a stagger or a status effect that takes away an action. Um, and, and that's, excuse me, that's exactly what happened in the game Friday 
um, was what I was able to do with it. Uh, and, and and that's huge. And especially in those terms, when you're really trying to crunch numbers uh, and you're trying to be like, all right, how do I make this the most effective action for me and the least effective for my opponent into a, in a way that can impact them so negatively that they lose an attack? Uh, and, and so there's definitely play with it. I, I think there, there needs to be a lot more work with it, especially by myself and us, I think. I think it's one of the, the facets of the game that we haven't really tried to explore. Yeah, um, and I think a little uh, bit of that is just the rules are kind of confusing. Like uh, I oftentimes forget when I have it and don't have it. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's the thing, right? Like so, so like we're all still fairly new to this game. This game is not that old, um, and, and for some of us, myself and Chris especially, um, this is the first time we've played a miniatures game in a long time, uh, or at all. Um, so like. There's a lot of these little nuanced details because that's what this is. This is a, a nuanced detail that experienced players will pay attention to. Um, and, and so, like, I want to be on that level. I want to make sure that I'm catching all of those details that might matter to me later in the game. I do want to say, I think one of the, I don't know if it's a problem, but one of the bigger details when it, regarding cover is um, generally, if that's a problem, you just have a character run up and throw the thing giving cover into the character, so now they don't have any cover whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, that goes back um, to throws, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it doesn't change the fact that cover exists, but, like, I've seen a lot of games where it's like, oh, this person's in cover, and the opponent goes, oh, okay, sure, and then they, like, fly up, pick up the item, and throw it in their face, and they go, you got cover now? And, like, they're not rude about it, but, like, the, the opportunity to have cover exists, but the opportunity to remove cover seems to be in equal share. So that might be a reason why we don't see cover nearly as often. And who knows? It is a very interesting mechanic. I just feel like it's not... A, like, when I see cover, the way they built it in, I feel like AMG wanted it to be used more. But it's not because throws are so prevalent. Um, just because, like, other than maybe Rocket or Winter Soldier having long-range attacks, a lot of these characters and a lot of these crisis cards are built around close-quarters combat. And, of course, as a skirmish game, that's kind of the idea. It's not a long-range game. It's not, you know, it's it's a three-by-three table, for Pete's sake. Like, it's supposed to be very tight, confined, quick quarters. You don't want these long shootouts. So that tends to turn cover off unless you have a very specific shooting character like i said rocket and winter soldier are the best examples we have because most everyone will either run down the field and throw something or they'll be so close to you that you just don't get cover because of the way the rule works so i i find it to be a mechanic that i wish was a little bit more useful and i don't know if that'll ever change but uh cover to me seems just slightly ineffective compared to everything else in the game it gets better when you have more terrain on the board, too. Uh, notice that it's comes up more now that we're playing with a lot of buildings and other uh, non-interactable terrain on the board in uh, Todd's shop. Yeah, that last table we played on, Chris, that, that oh my God. It, it was, had, a lot, it had a lot of tables, a lot, of, a lot of buildings on it. A lot of buildings <laughs> on it. So, yeah, it definitely changes the aspects of the game when it comes to that. Ready, Captain? I'm ready to take calls from the public. Okay, cool. Yay! Message bag. 
Um, like before we start the message bag, though, man. Uh, last week I did a giveaway for a Proxima box that's coming out here shortly. Uh, and Art Die Art uh, had, had we had given it to him, um, and he actually messaged me, and he's from overseas, so they already have access to those. Uh, and he messaged me, and he said, "Hey, man, look, I've already got this. Um, why don't you guys?" give it to somebody in your local community who's had a hard time because of the virus. Um, so I immediately hit the guys up and was like, Hey man, who do we think that we know who's been impacted the hardest by this? And I think all three of us simultaneously said Addison. Um, so Addison Hudson is a guy that plays with us. And, and how long was it, Mike, maybe two weeks after all this started, like he was shut down. Yeah. He's, um, he's a, he's a culinary chef. Um, which I hate to say he's probably a better cook than me because I hate to admit that. So, but now he works. He's a chef at a, at a, at a museum here in, in, in Richmond, Virginia, and um, then does some very good cooking. But when all this hit, you know that 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 was shut down, and then that that meant that was his job. So, so yeah, so like, um, Art said to give it to somebody that we thought um, would benefit the most from it because he was already able to pick it up and. The first person we came up with was Addison. So like, I am super grateful to art for actually like just stepping up and being like, Hey, you know what? Give it to somebody that could use it or somebody that's had, you know, a bad couple of months. Um, and that that's, Oh boy. Amazing. Like, I just think that's super cool. I think that's a good look at this community. I think, I think the player base in this community reminds me of, of one of my favorite communities. Um, from the Destiny crowd. I thought the Destiny crowd was amazing. And this this community here is showing me the exact same kind of respect and love that I think needs to be spread. Like, so I, I personally am very thankful to Art to like to do that. Um, that was just a, a super awesome gest- gesture. Yeah, man, that's awesome, Art. I still, I'm still gonna call you Art, Art, but yeah, man, that was <laughs> that, that, that awesome gesture, man. That that's kudos to you, man. Yeah, thank you so very much for just such kindness and generosity. It's, um, it's people like you and acts like that that just make this refreshing. Because I come from a magic background. That was the first community I ever went into, uh, and then I dove into a deeper dungeon where I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh competitively. And uh, as you may or may not have known, for those of you who may or may not play trading card games, those are two very, very tough communities in terms of stuff like this. Like people are just not that nice. They're trying to rip you off, steal your stuff, and it's it can be brutal. And then coming here where it's like, oh, people are nice and respectful and they actually like want to have fun. That's that's nice. I like that. <laughs> so thank you. All right, Suggy, so we got some questions. We do. We have a lot of questions, uh, so we're going to have to narrow some of these down. But, you know, keep sending your questions in on Discord. We will get to them at some point. Uh, But the first one, I think, goes very well with the content of this episode. It comes from the Noble 117, and the question goes, With the most recent tease from AMG at the time of this question, which was the Hawkeye teaser trailer, or teaser article, it mentioned that he can hit targets that he cannot see. This leads to my question, with so many characters gaining or having line of sight, ignoring attack, do you think terrain is becoming less useful besides just chucking it at someone? Yes. No. <laughs> um, you know, you bring up an interesting point, and I hope that's not the case. Um, I've always liked having terrain on the battlefield change the way that you have to play the game. Um, I think Todd, you know, Todd saw in one of his TTS matches that terrain 
severely hindered the way he could deploy um, and, and run BDT because of the way the terrain was set up. And then we had to, oh, I felt that too. Yeah, I I that hurt. Right, and you have to change the way your play style is and adapt and overcome. So I hope that always stays an aspect of the way this game is played. Um, it makes any tabletop game fun, and, and it keeps every tabletop game that you play from being the same from the last one that you play because the terrain is always slightly different. Um, so I hope not. Um, I just hope it's. I think it's a cool. I mean, it's it's Hawkeye, and and you know, it's it's a dude with a bow fighting monsters and aliens, and like. Like, like he's got to have something cool. Um, so it gives him some, some of that superhero power that Hawkeye deserves. Um, but I hope that the terrain part of the game um, doesn't go away. I hope it stays strong and, um, and, 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 and keeps being, you know, important aspect part of the game. I think it will be. I think it's probably just something that it seems really thematic with Hawkeye. And it just is like a unique niche thing. Um <clears throat> I hope that some of these unique niche things don't become more prevalent on characters. I like when you want to pick a character for a specific task, but you don't necessarily want to have a, a team made up of guys that can do stuff like that. Like Rocket's ability, I think, is interesting. It makes sense for him because he's a little ra- raccoon. Uh, Hawkeye being able to shoot around terrain, that just makes sense to me. And you know, like you were saying, I hope it, it hope it, that kind of thing doesn't start to blow up into like whole affiliations get this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it it can lead to some feel bads in certain spots, but like these kind of things have to be there, right? Um, like these abilities need to be put on some of these characters to make them unique. I mean, and and characters with abilities to get around line of sight are nothing new. We had two of them in the core set. Um, we had we had Ock and we had Cap. Um, so so it's been there. Um, and that that uh, I I don't think having a third character that has it makes it any more detrimental uh it, it does it will make you play a little differently uh, when you line up and you see a hawkeye across from you um knowing that they have the ability to not care what you're hiding behind um but we also haven't seen the card yet right like that could be a four power attack um which means you could only get it off in certain circumstances so no no it's it's five we saw his standard attack is five. Oh, it is five well, yeah, they, they said it's five. I'm corrected. Then it's a it's a five range, no line of sight. Uh, I I believe it's a superpower. You have to pay to ignore okay, line of sight. So it is something you one. have to pay for. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's something you have to pay for. So to gain that build, it's almost like he's taking an aim stance, right? Like he's leaning down on a shot. So I mean, you can get it going from turn one. He doesn't get to discount from cap because cap goes down to one. Um. So it's still always going to cost him one. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, I think it's balanced. I think it's fine. Um, I'm super excited to see how it plays personally. I want to get him on the board. He's one of, he's a, he's a super cool character, which is funny. Cause I, I don't care for him in the MCU, but I've always thought he's super cool in all the games he does show up in like different video games and stuff like that. I've always thought he's awesome, but for whatever reason, I just didn't care for him in the MCU. Well, that's because you should read him in the comics and not the MCU. <laughs> I got time to read comics. All right, so the next question we have comes from Skill T, and it's a pretty funny question. Uh, is Disarm the most underrated card in the game right now? Discuss. So uh, I think this is an interesting topic, but uh, however, two of our four players just used this on stream the other day, which uh, I think you should definitely check out. It was a fun game to watch because you guys were playing out of your element with cards you weren't used to and characters you weren't used to. So it became an interesting 
battle of skill and wits watching you guys <laughs> trying to figure out like <laughs> don't put it that <laughs> way don't put it that way <laughs> well well okay also there were some uh dice rolls that were just brutal but we'll get to that in a second here well i, I think first we should go over this card because this is not a card that we normally play with so let um disarm uh the tactics card is an unaffiliated active card uh, when two allied characters are within range three of the same enemy character, the allied characters may spend one power each to play this card. The enemy character rolls two fewer dice on all attack rounds. This uh, attacks this round minimum one. Yeah, so Mike and I uh, played a game on Saturday, one that I still feel bad about, but we did make it super weird. We took suggestions from the Discord. Um, we ended up playing with three different play restrictions which was uh <laughs> interesting and a little gimpy but it, it was all right i mean uh we we both played with characters that weren't normally in our 10 yeah so we so, basically took our 10 characters that we like and we put them aside and then we yeah the ones that we like to play with and have fun with we put those away <laughs> and had to play and with 10 characters that we don't ever use <laughs> so we took all the cool tactics cards that we like and think are good and we put those away too um, and then we also played one of the cards had to be disarm. Um, and I, I thought this card was interesting. This is something like when Killmonger was really going off when he first came out and we were all still trying to like figure out Hulk's place in the game. And he was just killing Hulk all the time. I was like, well, I might just slot in disarm and it never quite made it, but I always thought it was an interesting idea. And we both had different timing on our use of disarm. I used mine kind of early on Killmonger actually, just to try to slow him down from getting powered up early in the game. And then, Mike, I think you used yours on my Ultron, right? Yeah, you got early early in the game, like round one, your Ultron picked up a hammer and was throwing out six die energy attacks like they were candy. Yeah. And I got to one point where I was just like, I was able to disarm your Ultron in, in a point where he didn't have to move. He was just going to be able to do his base two attacks and just standing there doing and throw 12 dice and I was able to disarm him and knock those 12 dice down to eight dice attacks, which were yeah, much that was more a, manageable. Was, that was a nice critical timing spot. And I think that's kind of key to how to use this card. It's not something that you just want to going to want to throw out, you know, willy nilly. It's going to be one where you're, you're in a tough spot and you need to make sure that a character has the potential to turn around and daze a couple of your characters like a Killmonger or, he, I think you had a pretty low Valkyrie, and Killmonger was sitting at a couple damage, and you know it was just a, a good spot for you to stop me from teeing off on your guys. And I was trying to do the same thing. I was like, well, if you end up playing and usurp the throne or something this turn and coming after one of my four cost guys, uh, I don't want you to get the victory points or the the reroll token. So I think I'm just going to try to slow you down here. Right. When when, when you play this arm on my Killmonger, you basically push back my play of usurp the throne. Like I had to push it back a whole turn. And um, a lot, you know, which slowed my progression down a lot. And then when I played this arm on your Ultron, like you said, it, it my Valkyrie was in severe damage. My, my Killmonger was in, uh, you know, had, had some hits on them. And both of their energy defenses are threes. And you're shooting off with a six die energy defense. And now that's a four die energy defense. And it was much more manageable for me to be able to survive that. So it, timing was everything for the card, but after playing with it, I'm not going to lie, it felt kind of good. Like, yeah, I was going to say it felt pretty good just f- 
for those critical moments. Like, you know, you're going to be in trouble if you don't take care of this guy. And usually when we're playing, because we don't run with disarm, the way you deal with this guy is that you got to go daze or KO him. And you got to prioritize that first action to try to deal with him. Well, maybe instead of doing that, you can play disarm on him. And then he's weakened and he's not in a position to do whatever crazy stuff he's about to do. Exactly. And you just disarm him next turn. Uh, you, you just um, daze him next turn if need be and shut yeah, him down. It, it gives you an opportunity to like, prioritize doing something else that may be more important to winning the game because you don't have to deal with that person. And then you could like chip at him and the next turn you can get the days off or something like that. But exactly. It, or if you daze somebody and they're now, now they're powered up and they have all this power on them and you just, Oh, well, well you got eight power on you. Cause I dazed you around before I'm going to go ahead and disarm you. So your attacks aren't so devastating this turn. Oh yeah. You know, that's a good it, point too. Like you see the, the second game we played where I was trying to Wakanda forever, drop off, usurp the throne with, Killmonger, if you'd just been like disarm, I would have been like, oh, no, oh, okay. exactly. I guess I'm not doing any of that now. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I had to get lucky and, and actually daze your Killmonger, but at the same time, I could have just been like, all right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and disarm Killmonger, so now he's not so not so devastating. And it would have been, I wouldn't have had to been like, all right, well, here's hopefully I roll good and Chris rolls bad and I can daze him, which happened. But if I could have just have been as simple as like, all right, well, you played Roost up the throne and you dropped off Killmonger, disarm Killmonger. And you'd have been like, well, crap. <laughs> so, I mean, to answer the question, is Disarm the most underrated card in the game? I'm going to have to say probably yes. After playing with the card, it feels really – is it the most powerful card in the game? No, but to be honest, I forgot this card existed until this question popped up in our <laughs> podcast questions. Like, I was like, what does even Disarm even do? Let me go look that up. But after playing with it, it might make its place in my eight. For and then when I if I see someone's if I see someone's killmonger on the other side of the table, or someone you know, or if I'm playing against hammers, and it might it might fit, it might find its way into my five for that list. It feels it it's unaffiliated and it's an active, so it feels it feels like a good card. It really does. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question, just because um, <laughs> I think all of us simultaneously in our chat were like. Hey, does anyone remember what that card does? And it was kind of one of those moments where it's like, hmm, there seems to be a lot of unexplored space in the tactics cards realm. And I think that's that's an interesting perspective on where the game is, because like everyone pretty much agrees, like you need to bring brace, you need to bring patch up. There's there's these cards that you need to bring. And it's real easy to start to funnel into a um a routine of okay i'm gonna bring a b c and d and then i have one flex slot especially watching the um the tts league finals it was really neat to see some newer cards that weren't as prominent um and even in non even in the non-finals like watching uh todd play against his opponent today like they had the rocket boots and drop off combo and it was like oh yeah that's that's something we talked about in one of our previous episodes it was good to see that actually like on the table see how it worked see how if it was effective and i thought it did a great job and um after not only being asked about this card but seeing you guys play it on stream it was kind of like huh i i probably am going to start testing non common slash popular cards just to kind of expands not only my knowledge but kind of the understanding of how things can uh work together because i was talking about using a card called battle lust 
with Shuri. Um, it basically says, at the end of a move action made during an allied character's activation, the moving character may spend power equal to its size to play this card. It's a reactive card. So essentially, I was thinking, hey, I move Shuri. I pay two power because it's a reaction, and then the next sentences say, uh, the next attack made by the moving character, this activation, adds dice equal to uh, its attack, equal to its size. So sure, it gets plus two dice. If the attack deals damage, after the attack is resolved, push the target character away short. So what you could do is you put, what is that, eight dice energy into a target. Uh, you will automatically push them short because of Shuri's ability. And if you deal damage, which with eight dice, in theory, you should deal one damage, uh, you would push them back short a second time. So is it like the most powerful card we've ever seen? No, but it does essentially give me like an extra action where I can move and double shoot for two power. Uh, is that gonna be a meta defining card? I don't think so, but is it useful? I think it has practical application in some matchups, yes. So I feel the same way kind of about Disarm. It's like, oh, this could see play. I could see that. It's It's got some uses, and I like that. I like the exploration and opportunity to um, not just get locked into, hey, we're going to play Brace, we're going to play Patch Up, we're going to play Field Dressing, we're going to play R&D, we're going to play Recalibration Matrix, that's it. We're never bringing anything else. I don't care, blah, blah. Like, now it's it's opening up some opportunities to say, Hey, what is uh, what does this card do? Do I want to play Crew of the Milano? Do I want to play Rocket Boots? Uh, do I want to play Battle Lust? Do I want to play Disarm? So on and so forth. And I, I like that opportunity to expand and explore in the game where it's not just constricted to you're playing these eight, you're playing these five. That's it. You're done. Don't think about it. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, like it, and it speaks to the whole power creep thing. Like, I think a lot of people are concerned about power creep, um, but like this just speaks balance that this card came out and correct me if I'm wrong. This, this card came out with the core set, right? Yeah. It's core set card. Yeah. And, and it's after playing it, it feels pretty good. Like, like it, it, it shut your Ultron down that turn. It shut my Killmonger down that turn. Like they were just, they were straight shut. Killmonger swinging three dice with his, like that's felt terrible. Absolutely. Ter- like I, I was like, all right, cool. That was a dead turn for Killmonger. Um, my, my big beater is going to go in here and do all this, this awesome damage. Yeah, no, he's throwing three dice. It's pretty bad. So, um, or I can pay three power and throw, what was it? Five dice. I I think I ended up doing that just to get, like, I had to pay three power to throw five dice of a physical attack. Yeah. Felt bad. You know? (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it shuts, it, it, for for two power, one off of two different characters, it kind it kind of shuts a character down for that turn. All right, our final question for this episode comes from Utility Cookie, one of the creators of Loki Pokey, one of my favorite teams right now. I hate that Anyways, name. I know you do, <laughs> but I love it. It's so fun. You do the Loki Pokey and you turn them all oh, around. God. Oh Jesus Christ! That's, that's that's what it's all about. Anyways, Utility Cookie asks. Best characters in other affiliation. What are the benefits and how do you maximize their usage? AKA uh, Captain Marvel in Cabal, Thor in Avengers. We actually saw Thor in Cabal today with Todd's uh, TTS game on Twitch. So uh, what do you think are some of the better characters outside their own affiliation? So like, for example, Captain Marvel would be considered an Avenger. Uh, Thor would be considered an Asgardian. 
so on and so forth. I'm gonna say something stupid. The best character outside of affiliation is Venom. No, anyway, because uh, <laughs> he doesn't have one yet. No, uh, I'm gonna jump on an easy one. one. I played him for the first time against you. He needs an affiliation. Yeah, he does. He does. No, but I'm gonna jump on an easy one. I think Shuri inside Cabal is pretty darn good. Yawn. Huh? Yawn. Oh, oh, yawn. yawn. You, you know took what? the easy answer. I said I was taking the easy answer. <laughs> All right, you want? Okay, let's go outside of easy characters that are outside of their affiliation. Uh, I'm going to say Zemo inside of Avengers. You want to say Yawn to that one too? No, that's pretty good. That one's <laughs> Zemo, good. Zemo inside of Avengers. Let's go with that one. You got a, a, a three point, a three threat character that for two can charge. However, inside of Avengers, that charge only costs one. So on turn one, he is messing someone's world up. Because he can move long and then charge. And then guess what? He's tar- is attacking somebody with that long movement charge. I think Zemo inside of Avengers is 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 great. Ven- Avengers don't have that many three-cause characters. Their, best, their only three-cause character is what? Iron Man? So, yeah. So, he fills the three-cause void in the Avenger list. And with with Captain America's uh, uh, redu- cost reduction... I think I think Zemo's charge is great and keeps Zemo very very playable. And um, when you when you tell your opponent you're going to pay one power to move long and then hit him with a five die attack that causes bleed, they're going to look at you like, well, that's just not fair. Um, so I, I, I like Zemo. I won't I won't take the easy one with Shuri Tide. Sorry, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> okay, there you go. You did your Bama. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a, just a standard that I've used for a really long time is uh, at 17 points. I really like running the Wakanda foursome with Captain Marvel. I think that she fits really well in there. She's, uh, you know, I use her as like a energy damage turret. She can reroll all the di- attack dice on her energy basic attack, which fits well with Wakanda because I'm going for rerolls. Um, I think she just fits a nice niche there. She's also a flyer, so she helps them be able to play drop off if you want to, or um, she just she fills a lot of gaps really well in there for me. Yeah, it's not bad. She also gives the Wakandans some more throws too. Right. So yeah, so she kind of yeah, pretty good. Gives you everything that they're lacking to begin with, and then also gets those reroll synergy on top of it. Put you right at 17 points, which is a popular point scenario too. What you got, Sugi? Yeah, so my honorable mention, because you hate it, is Modok in Asgard. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually really like Loki inside of Avengers, just because you really want him to be able to run away a lot. And turning Trickster into a two-power runaway every turn feels pretty nice. Uh, also, I am a god for one is also pretty nice. Um, I think the big thing about Loki is, like, he makes a lot of power, and being able to capitalize on that, like, I I know a lot of people are bringing him with the Mind Gem, so you have three power to trickster away instantly, but if I can save that point for another character, and put him in Avengers, where I have two power at the start of the turn, ergo, I can trickster immediately, I like that a lot. Um, I also like how Avengers can be very controlly, and even though he doesn't have a throw per se, um, he can give out the Loki tax with his God of Mischief bubble, and he can use things like illusions and frost blast to either slow or if you roll the double wilds, you can mesmerize. Um, it, it's 
really fun to use Loki in any means of either giving him power through Cabal or, since I don't like to attack, reducing the cost of his ability with Captain America uh, makes him a lot more flexible, in my opinion. Right on. That's a good one. I, I've got I've got two. Um, I'm going to go with Ock. I'm going to go with Ock in Avengers. I think that's better than, than I gave it credit for initially. Uh, again, a two-cost throw. Uh, character or terrain up to size three. I bet you're going to say Valkyrie Avengers, too. Uh, I will not actually say Valkyrie. Um, she's not my favorite. You don't want a one-power throw? Uh, no. Um, I, I don't like her defense. I, and, but Ak has a four physical and a four mystic. So into these lineups that people are starting to bring into BDT uh, and throw heavy lineups, which generally tend to be a little softer on the mystic defense, Ak is a good supplement character. Um, so I feel like he's very strong in Avengers. Uh, he's also a solid uh, power battery um, with his ability to gain an extra power off of the uh, the crits. Um, so it allows him to keep some superpowers online that might not normally be online because, you know, hey, I popped a crit. I got an extra power. Now I can throw, um, which is pretty good. Now, the other one I really like is Star-Lord and Wakanda. Uh, I think that's a lot better uh, than people give it credit for as well. He's a little soft, but with his plucky attitude and a Wakanda reroll, um, he's self-correcting some dice. Uh, and if you're looking for some consistency in dice rolls, that's probably the best way to get it, is stacking rerolls. Um, we have seen, as Chris has shown us before in prior streams, that um, Wakandans can roll skulls and rerolls don't matter. Uh, but it, it is still a solid option. I like it. I, th I think I have other problems with Star-Lord, but... For that purpose, I really like him. He feels good in there. Uh, is it because he's Chris Flat? No. <laughs> I'm a, as a fellow Chris, I'm okay with him. My okay. issue as a fellow is, Chris, like everybody <laughs> just straight up kills him for some reason. Like Venom, Nom. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have a hard time it, keeping it, him alive. It feels like he's an all or nothing. He either blocks everything or dies horribly. Yeah, I think the 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 other one Todd brought up was good too because I think. As soon as Ock gets an affiliation, man, he's going to go off. It's crazy that he's got a flurry and he's got a pierce on his attacks and he has a throw. And he has That's how I feel crawler. about Spider-Man. I'm like, like waiting. He's just going to go nuts as soon as he has an affiliation to, to pair him with consistently. And a three cost with all that stuff. All right. Well, that is the end of the show. Thank you so much to everyone for sending your questions on Discord. Everyone who's listening, if you want to hear one of your questions read on the show, just hit us up on Discord. We go through them every week and we try and answer as many as humanly possible. Uh, we even did a full episode previously where we just did listener questions. So if we don't get to your question now, we will get to it on a later date. But we want to participate with this amazing community because like we saw with uh, Utility Cookie talking about Loki Pokey, we had Art art uh, so generously give to uh, someone else in the community who could use um, the prize support it is such a fantastic opportunity for us to meet so many people interact with so many people and just get to uh, see such a fun game and an amazing community grow as we see more releases as we hopefully have nova and next year all the conventions come back online so we can party at adepticon hooray so thank you everyone for participating and joining we are so happy to uh, interact with you all throughout the week so we will see you all next time and as always excelsior <laughs>